I'm Dave Rubin and this is the Rubin Report. Reminder everybody, subscribe to RubinReport.com if you want to get all our videos early and totally ad-free. And more importantly, joining me today is a stand-up comic and host of Dennis Miller Plus One on the RT Network as well as the Dennis Miller Option Podcast. Dennis Miller, I've already said your name three times. What's up, Rubes? Welcome to the Rubin Report. Beautiful pad here, man. I'm trying to read. You can tell a man by his books. And How his, am I doing? His tchotchkes. I see that you're a Carlin fan, which I find in your little Steven Pinker, NBA. I think your detractors would say this indicates you're moving rightward towards John Birch participation <laughs> on the bottom. Where do you have the map centered up? Uh, and that odd confluence between South America and, uh, or the globe, I should say, South America and Africa, where it split up. And now I have a theory. It looks like they were together at one point. Yes. They've slipped, split apart, and obviously the west coast of Africa with... Uh, uh, Ivory Coast, Liberia is the most contentious place on the planet, and I think that's a, a sudden hard drive tremble from way back when where a guy went out into his yard in Liberia once and said, honey, what's this crack? And then two weeks later, Next it was thing, another continent. I've oft wondered how Pangea split. <laughs> now I have a little... There you go. Yeah, I'm giving you a little something of everything here because we got lefties, we got righties. Look, I got an American flag in the control and room I love the map. There. I always love to have a map in my studio to feel situated. Yeah. So... You got two shows, you've done a bajillion things. Yeah. I said to you right before, I'm not even gonna use notes. I try not to really look at my notes when I talk to most guests. Anyway, I thought I'd just sit down and see what happens. You kinda just need to be wound up and then you go, right? Well, you know what, but I, I, I tell you as I get older, I need to be wound up and let go less. I, I just, listen, it's contentious now. I was more of a, I don't wanna use the, it's a tired term, firebrand, but I was more willing to engage lock antlers when I was young. I don't think people are going to change their minds anymore. I, I don't want to be the carnival barker on some freak show. People, we're split. We'll find out where we go, which way at each election. In between, it's going to be contentious. Uh, at age 66, I don't want to wake up every day and fight with people about stuff they're not going to change their mind on anyway. So when I get going, I like to put on a good sure. show. You know, you're, uh, you're Spanky and our gang, let's put on a show, but I don't need to I don't need to get going as much anymore. So you're like an evolved political satirist or something. I just uh I, I used to dig the game when you could budge somebody and an angster. I didn't need them to come over. I never thought that you're gonna talk to somebody and they were gonna desert their core beliefs and come over your way. But mm -hmm. they at least you could see the mulling. I think mulling's gone. I could see hmm's gone. It's just now people, nobody's, everybody's dug in. And, I'm trying, uh, man. I'm trying over here. No, I appreciate it. But like I said, I, I don't know. You're in, you're in your 40s, right? I would have probably fought the fought more then. But I'm telling you what, you seem like uh, just the time we talked before, and you seem like a smart enough cat that somewhere down the road, I can't see you fighting it into the barn. Seem to be in love. You got a beautiful family in the picture out here. Got a great place. You're kicking ass and taking names career-wise. Yeah, you should do it now. But at some point, the, the harvest is... Uh, what are you gonna do? I'm, I'm into getting up and reading, taking a hike, having a good meal, appreciating the fact I married the most beautiful, witty, charming girl I ever met, uh, adoring my sons, watching some baseball, and then reading as I fall off to sleep. Is that a tough thing, though, for a comic to yeah. have to face? No? Not for me. But do you think for most comics that's a tough, like you almost fear know. that? You fear the okayness because you won't have the fuel? It's a convenience, it's a job. Yeah, I, I'm, I was never very, uh, I don't view show business as some sword from the stone moment where you're anointed. It's a job. I grew up in Pittsburgh. And uh, my job, uh, what I was good at was uh, I would think jokes up. And then I tried to give those jokes to somebody else to do. And then I found I didn't have the ego for that. Once I saw somebody do a joke, I thought up on The Tonight Show and Carson laughing. I thought, oh, I'm not built for this. I better become the unlikely conduit. But I've never thought of myself as the silver surfer <laughs> comedian. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so no, I don't. You know, I don't have any moment pangs where I think, "Oh, I wish I was in the fray." It, it never was like that when I was in the fray. Were you always uh, political? Because I no, think once I... you get that job on SNL, you have to become political. Yeah. So you weren't political before. That. I used to be a prop comic. I remember working with the. Uh, you know, I was never quite Caratopian, but. Uh, <laughs> I, I Is that an actual I, word? I think that's yeah. probably in the dictionary now. That's depressing. I. Uh, I did props when I first started because I thought that visually that way. But then I remember I couldn't fit the props in the overhead. I had slight props. And then I thought, you know, I'm not going to wait a half an hour at a, 
in a revolving cell. Right, for some for inflatable... seat I could put on my head and say, alas, poor turning. <laughs> so <laughs> I ditched out on that, started writing jokes. Like I said, told a couple of other comedians, saw them do them and score with them and thought, ah, I've got to be the guy. So, um, I, like I said, it was very... Uh, I, I didn't have a whoosh, whoosh thing about stand-up. I remember thinking, okay, this is a good career. It was kind of a decision. So when you get the weekend update situation, mm. the SNL situation, then it's sort of like it was political. What, what, what year did you start at SNL? Somewhere in the 80s. Somewhere, somewhere in the 80s. That's was what it? I mean, though. I'm not doing that it's deliberately. Funny. Yeah. I just, uh, I remember I was... Uh, Maybe like <clears throat> 89 or something? Because I'm trying to remember, because you on SNL, that that class was like my formative comedy year class. Yeah. So, so I was like 12, 13 around then. And I think, I think maybe like 89 or something like that. Well, some people choose to that? think of themselves as comedic visionaries. I choose to think of ourselves as ushering kids through puberty. We were the, uh, if you were 12 or 13, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's all we were. That was 15 minutes off from jerking off. Yeah. <laughs> but you guys did <laughs> it. See, I, I made it out okay. <laughs> but I remember I was in Baltimore and I had auditioned for SNL maybe a month before. And then I remember um, they picked the cast. USA Today had a picture of them. I wasn't in it. I was still in Baltimore. And I was so tough at that point because on your way up, you have to be tough. I, you did yeah. stand up in yeah. New York 12 years. I was a gladiator. And I remember seeing that picture. I didn't have a crestfallen thing. I, thought, I think I came close to that. All right, keep going. Uh, then I was up doing Letterman. And uh, somebody came into the Letterman dressing room and said, uh, listen, Lauren Michaels wants to see you on 8, or no, 17, where his office was. And I said, geez, I knew something was up. He's not calling me down to revisit me to tell me why he didn't yeah, give yeah. it to me. You're really not getting it. But I'm thinking maybe I get a shot on it as a comedian or something. Like Stephen Wright would come on, mm -hmm. Sam, once in a while. So... Um, I went down, I knew it was going to be something good, but then I, I walked in, I remember it's one of those moments that stick in your head. Lauren sits at the end of the thing, he's got one of those green domed glasses, uh, lights on his desk, uh -huh. you know, that gives it that Arthur Conan Doyle feel. He's got the quarter glasses on reading scripts or something, and uh, over his shoulders, the Empire State Building, and I, I remember it being like red, white, and blue. It wasn't Fourth of July or anything, but he looks up and he goes, hey, Dennis Miller. I go, hey, Lauren. <laughs> he says, how would you like to do a weekend update? And I said, I'd like that a lot. Wow. He said, I'll see you tomorrow at around 11. I said, all right, sir. I walked out, and I remember thinking, I'm not a big drinker, but I remember thinking, I'm going to go get four fingers of something brown on the rocks and knock this down because this is pivotal. And uh, that was magical. I don't want to act like I'm sitting over here like yeah, Rex yeah. Putin. I'm talking about stand-up. I was kind of... Step-by-step, Maginot line, move it six inches, fall back four, move it four. But when that happened, I remember thinking, all right, take some mental Polaroids here. Don't be blasé about this because that's its own defense mechanism. This is a big deal. Chevy Chase did this. Yeah. You're going to do it now. Enjoy it until you either become a success or get whacked. So I did enjoy it along the way. I, I, I took all those moments and, you know, the first time you sit in that seat yeah, yeah. and they're counting you down, I just thought... All right, I, I might go out, but I'm going out on my shield here. So even though you weren't purely political, they they pegged you for that. Were you? Is that what is that is that what you stuff. wanted? Did you want to do more? I wanted of, any hook. Yeah, I, I didn't. You know, I'm not a character guy. I used to try to stay out of the SNL sketches because uh, you know when you're with geniuses, Carvey's a comedic genius, yep. Lovitz, uh, the sketchwise a genius, Phil. The ultimate yeah, uh, glue guy. I mean, the only guy, I never thought I'd see a guy like Danny, and Phil got in the realm with him, and I always thought, well, this is a serious play. Mike Myers comes in. So you got four leads there who can kill the ball. I'm the fifth guy in a sketch. I'm the bartender saying, here's your gimlet, and yet I got to be there blocking it for three and a half hours. So I used to go around and say to writers when they wrote me in, I'd say, I want to be like the DH. I want to pick a rock song, swing yeah. the weighted bat down the tunnel, come out and you know hit the ball for ten minutes. And by the end, you had that, right? Yeah, it was a groovy job. Yeah. And I used to, I'd probably been in around a dozen sketches over the years, and they were ones where I thought, oh, this is good. I should stay in this because I want to see, uh, I want to see this when I get older. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life, the next chapter. You know, you knew when something was going to be a big hit. But by and large, I was really happy to have just weekend update. I'm, I'm sure you've been asked this a million times, but what do you think it is about SNL or the ages or the collection or the level of talent of all the people that there's so much tragedy um, around the cast members? I have you to know? go back and study that. Is there? 
Well, I mean, deaths and drug use and I mean, well, I guess drug use, drug use is just Hollywood, but yeah. Yeah, John, Chris. I don't know. I'd like to see the actuary tables. I always hear this thing. yeah. Oh, so you don't even think that, that there's anything. I met a lot of healthy people there. There are a few guys who I could have met working in a hardware yeah. store where I'd know. <laughs> that had it rough too. <laughs> All right, fair enough. I didn't think you were going to say oh, that. I just say I don't remember something about it the pressure way. of live. Maybe I don't know something. You know, all that stuff seems contrived to me. Hmm. You're working as an entertainer in some way, and all of a sudden you're on the best entertainment vehicle for young people in the world. Quite frankly. No. Yeah. Now, you can spend your days sitting in a room uh, thinking, oh, my stomach hurts, I'm spilkus, and i got to go get loaded. Or you can just get on with it and have a blast. And uh, it is scary. And there, there are weeks it felt horrible when you'd uh, go badly. That's any gig. But that whole crash and burn thing, I, I'm so far from that. If, I said, if somebody would have said to me, you know, at the end of the day, this is going to cause you to do yourself in, I said, I'm not taking the job. It's not yeah. that magical kingdom to me. What would you have done if not if it wasn't for comedy? I would like to maybe be a shrink. Yeah, I don't know. I, maybe not anymore because things that used to interest me about people, their psychological tells now have turned into blatant whining. So I don't think it'd be a good shrink for today. <laughs> that, when people come in and say, you know, I got in a fight when I was in fourth grade. And you're, you're fucking seventy. Wake up. Uh, but at the time, I thought that might be interesting. What else did I want to do? Um, I never even thought like that. But if I said anything, I'd say a shrink. Yeah. So what do you make of the way everything's changing right now? You're you're doing a show on RT. Mm -hmm. You got a podcast. Everyone's got a podcast. Mm -hmm. So you've shifted around. You were on cable news for years doing your thing with O'Reilly. What do you make of the way just the media landscape is changing and how everyone gets everything in a different way? Well, I'll tell you what. It might be my inner pragmatist, but I never even say everybody's got a podcast. I'd say there's tens of thousands of people who have a podcast. You probably winnow that down to a thousand that are even worth getting into the business of seeing if you dig it. You probably get down to a hundred that really are completely in sync with the Peter Principle. They're maxing it out, whatever talent they have. You get down to around two dozen that are killing it. I think you're in that two dozen. So right. I don't disparage it with that everybody has a podcast. Until yeah. everybody has a podcast, no. There's a bunch of people throwing scat up against the wall. Right. There's a bunch of people trying it. I would try it too if I was young and I didn't know if I was talented. It's a great thing. It's like you used to jump up at an open mic night. Why not do a podcast? But the simple fact is I view the attrition rate as much the same in any other aspect of show business. Yeah. I mean, look at it, brother. You're killing it. And for me to just say everybody's got one, no, nah, you got one. Well, I guess, yeah. I well, guess. I'll, take, I'll take the compliment. It's, I'll take, it's, well, I guess the, the, it's the, math. Right, right. So the barrier to entry is low, but yeah, it doesn't mean you've, you've got something that's really cooking. Barrier to entry should always be low. Yeah. Anybody can jump in and try anything they want. Show business is no magic, or I've said magic kingdom, no exalted higher plane. It's but, showbiz. It's you going out to strangers and saying, let me either make you think, cry, or laugh. It's all it is at the end of the day. People have always been interested in that. Uh, town criers. Uh, people... You know, Seventh Seal going around doing the puppet shows to the, you know, the poppers. It's, uh, I don't know, to me it seems like a hard drive issue. I'm sure there was somebody sitting around the mud pit way back when, when, you know, in Kubrick Town where somebody came in with a femur and cracked the other. And I'm sure there was some guy trying to do a wry rejoinder to the other the other ape having their head crushed in. Yeah. Folks, I want to tell you, it's been around since day one. So I... Uh, I don't know. I was drawn to it, it, it. To me, it should be an easy point of entry. It shouldn't be that high a bar. It's just you trying to entertain people. Yeah. So, what really interests you these days? Like, what's um, I'm really trying to read everything uh, P.G. Woodhouse ever read. Uh, I hike. Um, let's see. I'm trying to teach myself to not. Uh, you know, active fame is pretty. It comes at you fast and furious. Speaking of Kubrick, it reminds me of Cure Delay at the end of yeah. 2001, where it's just, so you can't always be that. that. That's what the whole world feels yeah. like right and now, doesn't you're it? You're in yeah. a shoot, man, a wind tunnel test, and yeah. it's flying, so you can't always be lucid about it. I think uh, that uh, if you're on the planet for 85 years, the front end of that 20, there's guys like Eddie who beat it, but usually till 20 are anonymous. And the last 10 years, you've probably, you 30 of those out. You got a half a century. If you get any part of that where you're famous, 
and you're actually seated at a nice table where strangers come up to you and say, you've won. <laughs> and to, to, try to try to think this is the way life should be, it isn't. So when you say, what are you doing? I'm trying to, what do they call it? Mindfulness, but that's almost falling into its own uh, mm. cliche. I'm trying to be aware of what a great run I had, and I might be in the denouement of that, and that's fine. You know, but you can see when you even mention it to people where you say, I don't think I'm as hot as I it was. I don't know if I'll ever be that hot again. You, people kind of wince and go, well, I think, it, I mean it sincerely. I, I think the examined life is everything. And I, I want to examine my life. I want to feel legit here as I, hopefully another 30 years, get it into the barn. I want to analyze what part of me, which was a shy kid, ends up getting braggadocious enough to try showbiz, hits the ball hard, and uh, I think I inhabited that plane pretty well, and now not as hot, I want to inhabit that plane just as well. It's, as, it's equally valid. Yeah, I, I, I love the answer. I mean, that's as honest as it can get, well, I think. I, I like that. I, I, don't, I never predicated on me riding into the sunset with the key light on me. Listen, you have your moment. It's hard. I don't know. I don't know how far into it now. Yeah. You, you told me you did 12 years of stand-up, so I know you got some hard riding under your I belt. I stood on a lot of street corners. And you're killing it now. But, you know, I, I don't know that humans are built to keep it up till they're... All of a sudden, you're Larry Sanders doing the show at yeah. 7 and going... I don't mean Gary. I yeah, mean no, you mean Larry. Larry Sanders going yeah. back and laying in bed and watching the repeat. That's no, that four hours between live show and watching it on the East Coast feed... There's no light. Yeah. Yeah. So. I think about it sometimes, even though I'm sort of right in the thick of it right now. It's like, you know, when things change or I change or family expands or whatever it is that like, will I want to do it at this level or you deal with a certain amount of hate or any of those things, you know, it's like. Well, you only find out. There's I'm, only one way to find out. I don't want to sound like I'm on the bachelor on yeah. your trip. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, all I know is it was never my trip to take it all the way in. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I, at some point, I remember thinking, it's like base camps on Everest. And, you know, all of a sudden, you're planting the flag. You think, how the hell did this happen? And then all of a sudden, when you're at six base camp and you're boiling water with the Sherpa, you think, and they say, well, we, we're not going to let you make the climb tomorrow. You go, okay, I'm going to get cozy in yeah, here with Tenzing right. Norgay the Fourth. I'm fine with that. They started moving me down the mountain. I had a big run. Do you think most people are afraid of that, sort of? And that is why everyone is kind of nuts? Like, we're all sort of afraid of trying to figure out what would make us actually happy, and, you know, so we get obsessed hmm. with whatever the news cycle is, or I whatever else. I want to a pat answer, then I yeah. turn into the guy in the second row to Don't Tony be that Robbins guy. thing. I'm not as scared shitless of anonymity as some people. Hmm. Uh, if I fall back into that, I'm going to examine that in the same way I examined being... I don't know. I remember the first two years of being famous. Maybe this was a tell. And when I say famous, folks, where's the camera? Yeah. I don't want to sound like an asshole. Yeah. I'm just saying you end up famous. I remember spending two years up front not even being able to focus on it because I would notice it. I would be too pleased with it. The pragmatic side of myself would castigate the side that was too pleased with it. The other side would come in and defend me against the mean side, say, oh, come on, he's just got famous. And I'd yeah. say, I'm spending 12 hours a day figuring this out. And at some point, I remember, it's like an algebraic equation. Cancel terms out. It just is. It doesn't mean anything in a weird way. Are you a good dad? Are you a good friend? Are you, I, I, and I'm not saying I am. I, I, as far as friends, I'm a little distant. But uh, I'm just saying there are so many ways to shoot your life through. And when you're in it, it takes all your attention because you've got to stay laser focused. I always view fame like it's a party. All of a sudden you're outside and it's like those old uh, Warner Brothers cartoons where the house has got notes coming out. Da, 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 da. All of a sudden you get in the door and you like stay against the wall and it's a Sardis character. Every It's like a Last Supper of Fame and you're, on, you're pressed against the wall looking up like, <laughs> and you edge into the party and then all of a sudden the sweet spot is halfway into the party and then like you have two seconds there and then you realize half the party's <laughs> happening behind you and you don't know who's going to eat two brute in, in in the sauna and eventually you get through to the other wall and go to the bathroom. So at some point I'm uh, I always had that in my head from the first moment that I got it and I so I'm not disappointed. It always seemed to have a natural shelf life to me. Yeah. 
ah, so I don't want to do the greatest hits with you because I want to I want to do sort of where you're at now. But so when you then start doing O'Reilly, mm -hmm. and then suddenly people are going, wait a minute, he, this is the SNL Weekend Update guy. He's like this sort of like hip, cool, lib kind of. Suddenly you're I on O'Reilly. I was as hip or cool, or as not hip and cool. I was the same. But but the optics of it now suddenly, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. He was on SNL and now he's on Evil Fox News. I'm just saying, you know, this is not my opinion. This is just sort of like... Yeah, well, people have yeah, to yeah. figure their own thing out. Yeah. But did you fear that at all or, <laughs> or even none of it? Huh? No. Interesting. Listen, man, I, I was on the number one rated show on cable, I think, Bill, for 20 years. Um, I was doing six minutes a week. It was a beautiful gig. We'd go out on the road once a week, we'd, or once a month. We'd sell 10,000 seats. Crazy. Uh, could, could you believe that? Could he believe it? We, we definitely were a one plus one equals uh, three thing. Because mm -hmm. on my own, I'd probably, at that point, draw two. I don't know what Billy was drawing, but probably two. Yeah. But you put us together in the Mutt and Jeff of it, it always reminded me of that scene in the Chaplin movie, not saying we were Chaplin-esque, where Charlie puts his foot behind his leg and kicks the guy who's uh, working the border guard thing, uh -huh. uh, the, the guy at LSI and kicks him in the butt. I was doing that to a rally. Yeah. And the key moment in that relationship was when uh, I told Bill, you're like a big Mick beat cop, Irish beat cop, where you're spinning that stick, everybody's scared shitless of you, and I'm gonna call you yeah. Billy instead uh -huh. of Bill. That why was a great move. Because all of a sudden, the, uh, the power the, the monolith is being poked fun at by the, the Mutt and Jeff guy. And uh, it, was, it was cool, that's why it worked together, is because I could make him laugh, not, uh, an unguarded laugh periodically, mm -hmm. and I could poke fun at him, I could call him Billy, I could wear shorts on his show, which, you know, I'd put my <laughs> leg up, and he'd say, do you know that pit? Now, all that worked. <laughs> Were you, doing those, were you doing a lot of those hits from home? Did you have a home situation, or were you going into Fox affiliate no. or something? I went over to this place called the Rubin Studios. No, oh, yeah. I, uh, I, uh, <laughs> we did it up in Santa Barbara in another studio. We were always on a split screen. It was so funny, until we started going on the road, people would say, you and Bill, like we're hoping Crosby. I was like, you know, I've met him twice. <laughs> we're always on a split screen. But over the years, I'll tell you what, I'm uh, relatively ill at ease, uh, uh, socially, I, I don't know what that is. I don't want to make it precious. Bill, I, I think if you could watch yeah. him over the years, are you? Because little... I don't. Because off camera, you seem exactly well, the same to me. Know. Where no, but there's plenty of comics. I know exactly what you're talking about. There's a lot of comics that are weird, have eye contact stuff, don't want to touch anybody, and then the second, you know, the camera goes on, and bam, they're they're there. But I don't. From the little bit we just did our thing, I didn't catch that. Well, I, I do know that I don't go to a lot of social events and stuff like that when I'm working. I, mm -hmm. I'm a, I, I, I meet a hell fellow well met. I like to say hi and be normal. I'm in a cat's place. and uh, But I'm not a real social guy, and he isn't either. So when you put the two of us together, uh, I, had, I was enamored of that part of our rally. And I sometimes didn't understand his brusque manner, and I sometimes thought, why is he beating his drum to that degree when I'd watch him on the show? And Bill, if you're seeing this, I, you know, I'm not, you know, uh, I, I'm telling you, I saw that cat do stuff for soldiers, kids who'd been abused, Haitians after storms. Yeah, sometimes the, uh, the, uh, in the, ma the way that doesn't matter, the topical stuff, I sometimes find him equally ill at ease as I am. Yeah. But walking the walk... And that cat gave a lot of money to a lot of people, and I don't know his personal life. You know, people say, "What about?" I go, "Do you really think?" Oh, okay. So that's that's my relationship with O'Reilly. I'm going to call him talk about dating or whatever the hell's going on. Right. It's not my life with him. We went out on the road, and I saw him do a lot of good things for a lot of people. And guess what? I felt no need to know to probe the underbelly of Bill uh, O'Reilly or find out what really makes him tick, and he felt no need to find out. That being said. I, I, I did see him do enough things over the years that I find him an honorable man. Hey, Ruben Report podcast listeners, just a quick reminder that my first book, Don't Burn This Book, Free Thinking in an Age of Unreason, is now available for pre-order. In it, I show you guys how to navigate a world of outrage mobs, political polarization, and online censorship without totally losing your mind. Pre-order your copy now on Amazon or Barnes & Noble, or go to don'tburnthisbook.com and order yours today. Yeah. What do you think about the way that we take out people these days? You don't have to make it about him specifically, but just generally, you know, now Chris Matthews went out and it's just like this endless cascade of we're just gonna build people up and crush it them. It gets worse. Listen, man, you know, imagine like 
Twitter during Dickensian England. I don't know how cool <laughs> it would be there. Listen, yeah. the rules are clear. You mean it's not worse than it's ever been? That's what everyone says every day. It's worse than it's ever been. I think the way that it'll turn this, yeah, it might be, but I think the way that it'll turn this is everybody who's in the public eye should get up to a joke, a witticism, a pithy revelation, and stop it down themselves and look at the camera and say, I have something here, but I'm going to stay out because I understand the new rules. And have that happen ad nauseum for a few years. Mm. And, and, and relate to people how crazy and or post-Orwellian it's gotten as far as jokes, dialogue, throwaways, cruelty. Indeed, humans are cruel once in a while. Uh, you know, the fact that that's all neutered down now, I think that people should be reminded that we're missing some of the texture of life walking around like we're in Logan's Run or something. You know, it's, uh, I, I don't think it will change for a while because uh, to me it's uh, the Lord of the Flies and right now the uptight people have the conch and they're the ones who are going to speak. And therefore, if I'm sitting there and I get to a point in a joke where I go, this, this puts me uh, where I have to talk to people who I disagree with about how bad I am. <laughs> I just, I, I, I stop off at a joke. No, I'm not going to say it. Yeah. I've, t I've tackled myself here. And, and if enough of that happens, people are going to start saying, hey, I'm sick of this. Yeah. Do you have a, a bunch that you just wouldn't tell anymore? Like, yeah, sure. like an old favorite that you're just like. Yeah, and it's, it's easy. Listen, when I used to be on network television, they told you not to swear. I found it easy not to swear. When I'm in Vegas, I found it easy to say fuck. When I'm here, I don't know what the rules are here. You'll bleep them. No, we, we don't bleep. Yeah, it's what easy. do you want to say? Come on. No, I, I don't even Let's want to. Let's get you canceled right now, Miller. I don't Come even on. think about it. But I, I, I am saying that, uh, yes, uh, and not so much this point. And, oh, my career will be taken. I don't care about that. I care about having to spend time reacting to nimrods who, quite frankly, think second-guessing is creativity. Ah, it isn't. Love that. I like being with creative people. I like being with people who say things occasionally. I can't believe you said that. And uh, it, I, I don't think it's over then. And I, listen, the human, the human fray is cacophonous. It's like, uh, did, where was it written that you're never going to hear anything that falls on your you know, feel you in your ear and you disagree with, I, I, I wouldn't want, I don't want to lead that life. So, well, therefore, I'll stop myself just because I think, Christ, I, who needs to bring down of some whiny kid telling me how I've ruined his day? Yeah, you know, I used to do, there's some, my old stand-up tapes are right there, and I used to do a joke way back when that I used to say the N-word, and it was not to be racist in any way, it was actually a stupid, silly Transformers reference that I was imitating a Transformer, and I would say this, and it would always get a huge laugh, huge laugh. I would close with it sometimes. And then one night I was on stage at Gotham Comedy Club on 24th, and the audience kind of turned on me. This is like maybe 2004, something like that. And I remember thinking, I'm putting that one away, and I never did it again. I never, I never liked that feeling, but I was just like, this, yeah, these this is way want before to do a Nantucket sleigh ride with a bit where they ride it to the bottom. Yeah, it doesn't interest me. Yeah, I'm out there to please people. I like to get laughs, and at some point, if I have an opinion and I, I feel it's worth it, uh, I'll push it in, even if it draws ire. But there are other times I think this isn't good enough to let this all this uh, agita into my life. The storm and drags tiresome. Yeah, You know, it's so precious to me that we sit down every day and 10 times a day somebody has to uh, get themselves back and supine. And I remember when uh, years ago there was a cat who was the general manager for the Los Angeles Dodgers, Al Campanis. Do you remember him? Yeah, yeah. He goes oh, on yeah. Ted. Uh, it was before Ted, I was here, but yeah, I remember. He goes on Ted Koppel one night and he says something that's like from another generation racially. And he's dead. You know, he's dead. He's, uh, he's got to go supplicate for... Sharpton, you know, all, all that silly game. and Because uh, Sharpton's so righteous. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, and I remember thinking, you know, when Jackie Robinson first came up and he goes to Montreal and the Dodgers, uh, he's playing minor league baseball and they got to assign somebody to go out with a cat and, ri you know, uh, ride wingman. I think Campanis is right there. I mean, when it came Literally, to real yeah. life, he's yeah. there. Yeah. And then later he says something brutish from a day gone by and he's over. And I remember thinking, oh, this is so tedious. You know, that's the smartest thing Eric Holder ever said, although I think he back-ended back into it. I don't even think he meant it the way I took it when he said, we're cowards. We don't even have chats about things anymore, uh, racial relations. Indeed, we don't. And guess what? Are you, gonna, you wanna be the first guy in? 
<laughs> right, huh? exactly. Really? You want to be uh, over this afternoon trying to make some sort of lucid, nuanced comment about interactions between human beings of different colors? You don't want to be the first guy in, you're done. It's so funny because people think it's something new, but you remember what took out Howard Cosell 40 years ago? Oh, yeah, Alvin Garrett. So I think there were two things. Well, one was about his grandkids. Remember he? Oh, oh, yeah, right. He Alvin was the guy, that he, and he called him a little monkey or yeah, something. Yeah, forty-six for. Uh, yeah, and you know when you when and, you and that's what he called his grandkids, just because he was jumping around. He didn't mean it to be racist in any way, and no one felt he was racist in any way. Well, listen, before that. when you when you read, I think Cosell was just shy of being an ACLU lawyer. Well, I used to read Cosell in Sport Magazine once a month. And he was always at the vanguard of these movements. Who was tighter with Ali, for God's sakes? And, you know, I saw a special on Ali the other night, and it was called I Am Ali. And I was reminded, I did not appreciate what he did to Joe Frazier. Indeed, he missed his own. He buried his own lead at some point when he called Frazier names and stuff like that. And they had Marvis Frazier on talking about how it hurt his father and hurt his family. So Ali wasn't perfect either. But I watched a guy operate between races so seamlessly in that thing. I thought, there's what we should all be striving to get to. Not being completely, he was so beautiful. He was so proud of being black and beautiful. And then he'd be with these old square white people teasing with him. Yeah. Then he'd be with the grannies. Then he'd be with the children. And I thought, now here's a guy who gets it, gets the human condition. But we're nowhere near that. It's yeah. so uptight. No, it's crazy. This is total uh, offshoot, but the references. Is your brain just designed that way? Well, you know, listen, I, I, I realize my uh, liabilities, and I would say one thing that I would uh, say I'm okay at is I have a, uh, a reasonably deep cultural drawer and a somewhat quick retrieval system. When I see those Christmas stories every year where the kids are working uh, in the Amazon disbursement centers in Minnetola or something, and they got packages coming at them at the speed of light, you asked me what I wanted to do for a living yeah, earlier. I think I could have stood at the Y in the road and said, okay, Emory Boards... Uh, headphones, boom, boom, boom. I think I could have been the, the, what do they call it on the kitchen shows? I could, think I could have worked the pass on cultural referencing. Yeah. But you, so you just, but that was just natural to you that it was just sort of all there? Was that something that you were going for? Did you were like, oh, that'll be my shtick? Like, well, I think it was a, a, it's a, it's a bit of a monkey trick. So I don't, uh, I don't know where you get that, nor do I think it's anything that you say where you get that. Yeah. But I do remember on Saturday Night Live, um, when I would get to write the news, uh, and after a few weeks, they had so many holes in the dike, they let me kind of, <laughs> me and Herb Sargent were writing the news. Other people would write jokes, but we predominantly wrote it. And I, I noticed you have to get actual about yourself. I couldn't, I, I needed adrenaline to be really creative, and adrenaline came from fear for me. So I would notice I could not, occasionally a joke would pop into my head Monday through Thursday, but I could see life on the griddle is what perked me. Mm -hmm. So Friday around 4.30 in the afternoon, it was really funny. I'd think about Whitney Brown, and uh, he was so smart. Uh, a, a little more malevolent than me, but a brilliant cat. And we were kind of friends, but kind of, I always thought, if we go to a two-anchor two thing, it's Whitney. <laughs> so 4.30 in the afternoon on Friday, I'd think of Whitney. And I'd think, brother, you better get this thing together. You better quit this... Uh, I can't write. Uh, you do three bad ones of these in a row, you're either out or you're co-hosted. Yeah. And that's one thing I'm proud of. I've made it six years and never co-hosted. Yeah. So at 4.30... Now I'm, they all are, right? For years now, I, th I think. I, I don't know. I, I, there were guys sure. who did it alone, but uh, I, I always look back on that and think, uh, well, that was a good thing. When you were served your opportunity, you stepped up to it. But... I remember I had a big, three big sheets of paper like about that size on my wall, three different ones, and it would say indignation, and then the middle one said, what am I? And then the third one said, arcane reference. And it was, <laughs> so like, a, it was like a haiku for update. Yeah. I'd get to a point where I'd think, oh, what's, what do, and I'd, I'd just look at that and go, what pisses you off? Uh, put the seesaw in, the fulcrum, what am I? Yeah. Uh, you know, the Jetsons robot me. You know, I used to like m make it reductive, re reductio absurdum. I really got primal at that point. I felt like I was like, uh, uh, you know, like you're a great white. Yeah. <laughs> just you might as well heard the theme from Jaws as you're just swimming looking for the line. Because yeah. I, I got scared that I would lose the gig. But I did have that template in my head. So, so maybe that's where the reference yeah, is. Yeah, and now it just seems like it's just sort of built in or something. Like it just became. Well, I must say that. Uh, even before I became a comedian, goofy stuff would stick in my head. I don't know. Yeah. But I remember watching one of your, how many HBO specials have you done? 
Well, I've got does. nine one-hour specials. Eight of them were with HBO. Eight on HBO, so I'm thinking it must have been one of, one of your first ones I remember watching. Again, I'm young, I'm 15, mm -hmm. something like that, thinking, I don't get all of this, but I like it. You know what I mean? Like, there were things that you were saying that I was like, I don't know what that reference is, but I kind of liked it, because I was like, other people are laughing, so there must be something here. Yeah, it's not the Warren that, Commission, brother. Yeah. You know, at some point, <laughs> the rhythms of it are intoxicating. Yeah, yeah. I just remember thinking, lean into this, uh, you're, you're, if you're going to rat-a-tat-tat, you're working that speed bag, you can't miss it. I got the words down, I delivered them, and I remember thinking if they don't get the uh, actual uh, content of this, do the D'Artagnan, they huh. flourish. You know, boom. Yeah. You don't always have to prick the other guy's chest plate, but you at least got to stand out there and have the blade twang. Yeah. I was always making sure the rapier twang. Boom! God, that's so funny to me to now. I'd like to go back and watch some of them now and and sort of yeah, you can half step that. that. Yeah, and I yeah. always knew it was a bit of a scam. Yeah. Listen, I, I I'm not I, what I have on my boards like ten twenty. I'm not, but I I did have a, like I said I could remember things and get to them quickly. And then I was smart enough to think you can't half-ass this. Sheepish is the death of this. You've got to lean into it, and then I used to always love Carson's moves yeah. when he, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, when Johnny Just blew one, or it, it wasn't there. I used to find that intoxicating. Mm -hmm. I would think, look how debonair. Just a little head smooth. movement, a little. I, I, <laughs> I used to sit at home. I didn't even know what showbiz was, and I think, now there's a cool cat. It's in the it's in the the moments where you need to escape the bad one. So I always that was another thing I did on Weekend Update. I always remember thinking some of these are dogs. When it dies, a dog's death, you've got to be alert enough to say that in front of the people. They'll find that intoxicating. Yeah. Like you've got to look up and say, no, I'm not so needy that my self-esteem's in your hands right now. But I, too, know that was a bad thing. Yeah, but a lot of guys since you have fallen into that trap. Well, what do you mean? Tell me. Well, you mean guys me, looking for applause and yeah, stuff? Yeah, when they know it's not working, where you would shake it. I mean, you would literally you just did it, but you would sort of shake it off, kind of. Where they're kind of like, ah, please. Well... It's just, just the nature of it. I don't watch enough uh, young... I, there's a few cats I watch. Yeah. Know, I think Maniscalco is like a stone mm -hmm. killer. I love his rhythms. And Brian's a great... Marigan's a great uh, comedian. But I, I don't watch enough of the young guys. I do know that at some point, comedy almost turned into what uh, impressionists used to get, where you get applause. <laughs> I almost feel like uh, instead of you going, uh, Al Pacino working in a Burger King, I think it would go something like this. <laughs> I feel like guys are doing that with their political opinions now, I yeah. think. And then they present it, and you don't hear anybody laughing. You just hear this, and I was never into that. Yeah, so even though I can sense that Dennis Miller 2020 is slightly evolved out of maybe the, uh, the, the full grind and fight thing, where are you sort of at? Politically, I asked you right before we started, and it's like you strike me as you're probably I'm mostly liberal. yeah. You strike me as mostly libertarian, kind of something like that. I come in, I meet your husband. Yeah. I can't believe there are people in the world who don't see people in love yeah. and just be happy for them. I see the picture of all these. You, I don't want to talk about July. Yeah, you can. There's a beautiful big family Walton Mountain shot. Everybody's smiling. You two guys are at the center of it. I don't know if it's your wedding day or whatever yeah, the hell it it's is. Wedding day. And I'm thinking, how do you get to the point in life where you're going up to strangers and say, here's what I think about that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, that, that amazes me that yeah. there, there's that, so that part of lib or conservatism, and I'm not putting that, I know there's some Christian people who think they go to hell if they sanction it. I'm, I'm not going to get, I'm not their shrink, I can't get into their life and figure all that out. I just know I'm a believer, and I've never had a chat with my God about homosexuality. It's just, it, it didn't come it up. Never in came my up. Thing. It yeah. never came up. And wow. I, I've met enough fervent uh, believers who are homosexual. They, what, what does God say? I can't talk to you today. You're gay. So that whole thing doesn't exist for me. Yeah. I don't trust radical Islam as far as I can throw it. I'd like to keep half my money. Some people think that's a piggish statement, but Boy, I always you think. You greedy bastard. Yeah, but I think, well, I'll keep one. I, I, I give you one, I don't even know you. And then people say, <laughs> uh, you know, and, the, and after I pay taxes on it, I'd like to keep it for my kids. And then they go, why do you want to spoil your kids with a, a you know, inheritance? And I go, hey, why, why the fuck do I want to spoil your kids? I don't even know your kids. Yeah. I, at least I got joy out of my kids. It's pretty simple stuff. I feel like I'm a pragmatist. But in today's world, man, if you're not in lockstep, you're painted as... Christ, I've seen pictures of myself on the web with a Hitler stash and all oh, yeah. that. And I think... I can't spend time worrying about that. Those people are so reactionary 
that the only thing, the only way I can let them into my life is if I let them ding me. Mm -hmm. I don't give a shit. I'm, I'm more than willing to seek the approbation of strangers. It's the human condition. But only if it's worth it. And I get, I get a pretty good spidey sense. I can tell early on, do I, do I even need to know this person anymore? You know, you meet some people within five minutes, you go, too strident. I'm still willing to make these calls for myself. Sorry, I'm in my own control tower. I, I, gotta get, I can't accept every plane that wants to sure. put it on the deck. I gotta pick, and I can tell pretty quickly. And if somebody's amenable, just to be open-minded. I don't even need to agree with them on politics, any of that shit. Are they kind enough? Are they a decent enough soul? A uh, good family person? That's a big thing with me. Funny? They make me laugh? So I got my criteria. One of them's not being dovetailed with their political beliefs. But I see one side of it. I see it as the left. I don't even know. I think you're making some journey or something. I've always heard you're uh, liberal. And maybe if I would... Maybe I, I think I'm an old-school liberal. I think that's basically what you are. You're in... You believe people Socially, should, should be free and... Well, even even on the economic stuff, an old-school liberal didn't want high taxes. You, no, you actually I, wanted low taxes. Yeah, you wanted Jack some, Kennedy would yeah. be decried today. Yeah, JFK, yeah. Uh, Knots the top rate down from 70 to the high 30s. Christ, can you imagine Bernie Sanders waiting into him? And this Kennedy kid! <laughs> but, um... Is that crazy to you? How, yeah, how some crazy. really bad ideas have Listen, started to become seemingly normal now? Hey guys, just a quick reminder that the Rubin Report community is officially here. This is the first project of my new tech company, Locals.com and you can get ad-free video, ad-free audio podcast. You can communicate with me, you can communicate with other fans. We've got a news feed that has no algorithmic manipulation. There's no shadow banning or de-boosting or the rest of it. We're gonna be building out these communities for all sorts of creators over the next coming months. But right now you can sign up at rubenreport.com or you can download the Rubin Report app in the Apple App Store or on Google Play. Anytime you see kids looking up at Bernie Sanders in the same way you see those young girls at the Sullivan Show looking at the Beatles, the world's gone horribly askew. Oh, I good. see those kids like, and I think, are you kidding me? This is the guy we used to avoid his lawn because nobody knew if he had buckshot <laughs> loaded up. All of a sudden, he's, <laughs> he's swoonable. It, it makes me laugh. Bernie Sanders can't believe he's pulled it off. What, what do you think the obsession with politics is? Like that kind of thing. You're School right. Yeah, you think that's that's it more Listen, than anything man, else? When you get to a point, and for kids, I know they're going to talk about health care, but I, by and large, I don't think kids in their 20s, they're always so invincible, are thinking, God, I'm going to have a goiter when I'm 70. Is it going to be covered? I, I don't think they work that way. I do think a lot of kids are getting out of college now with uh, north of 100 or high 10s school loan. They can't even get off the pad in their 80s. It's almost like they're working with loan sharks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> They got to pay that off before they can get to their dreams. Therefore, they think, fuck my dreams. I'm not going to have a house. I'm going to live in a small micro apartment. I'm not going to get a car. I'm going to bike around or pick up one of these jerk off scooters on every corner. And I'm going to go out once a week with my friends and film a Michelob commercial where we're all sitting around yeah. and we're all putting our beer on top of the turntable and and I'm gonna pay for a great glass of wine because I don't have any options on getting a house or a car. And I think all that's happened is if I was a kid and I was sitting there with a hundred grand worth of uh, school loans and it was for an environmental studies degree where quite frankly I went out and they said, uh, Here, here's, some, uh, here's some dishwashing solution, go clean that dove up on the beach. I'd be saying, who's the guy who wants to forgive my loan? I'd probably be gone there, but I'm not anymore. I'm yeah. the old guy who had minimal school loans, paid them off, and they can't expect me to go back and see it that way. I, I don't want to give up everything for people who, if I was a, telling a kid right now, I'd say, brother and, less, brother and sister, unless there's a super serious thing you can get a degree in that you can exchange for green rectangles, don't go. Because yeah. all these pe half the people going in right now are getting degrees that mean nothing and you could have four years on the ground find out what you want get in there get into whatever the equivalent of the mailroom is spend those four years you know jesus for god's sakes i have 1500 days while they're sitting in there you know holding seances and stuff like this where uh you can be out there building a resume where the boss goes that kid 
busts his ass. So when the college kid gets out and comes in and goes, I've got a degree. I was in student government. And the guy has to pretend, well, that's oh, good. Oh, because yeah. he doesn't want to end up in a lawsuit. He's thinking, I got this kid busting his ass for four years. I'm going to give him the gig. So I think politics right now for young people come down to school loans. What do you think of the other guy? We've spoke for 40 minutes or so. Oh, we haven't said that, no, the T word. Oh, we could do Biden. Let's do Biden. Where are you at with Biden? We didn't talk about Trump yet. It's been 40 minutes legally. Oh, well, we uh, let's, let's do Biden. Yeah, let's do, let's do Biden. Um, Listen, I, I've always made fun of Biden. You know, I, I think he's, anybody who gets in at 29 and is now 77 is inviting guys like me to make fun of him. Yeah. I know he's helping me. Joe, I, I, you know, I don't need your help. Go, you live your life. Is he I helping was, you? How's he helping you? Well, he always talks about how I've been in public service. Oh. And you just want to say, oh, for Christ's sake. Okay, yeah, thanks for helping. But, you know, I, I, I don't dig guys who get off... Uh, who, quite frankly, get off their old man's nickel onto the public dime in their late 20s and ride it all the way. Uh, it always bored me with Jerry Brown. You know, he's pitching himself as, you know, an ethereal creature. And I always think, brother, you've been on the teat for like your sixth decade now, okay? So don't tell me about what a free form you are. Um, but Biden uh, has never been as smart as they told me he was or he told you he was. Anybody who knows their IQ is a big tell for me. Two things, when a guy you're golfing with goes into the woods and you get to the green, you go, what'd you get? And he pulls his hand up, I know he's fucking. Uh -huh. And whenever a guy says, I know my IQ, I go, oh, Christ, I, I, I don't like that to begin with. I go, why? Why do you know your IQ? What, 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 are you that insecure? Are you faking it that much? Biden's one of those guys who knows his own IQ. And I never saw him as a genius. I always think of Joe Biden as the third guy in a car on a Sonic commercial, you know, just popping up in the back seat. <laughs> and, uh, and I like the tater tots too. So he's no genius. And, but now he looks addled. I have yeah, more no, what, trouble. Uh, yeah, what do you think of that? I mean, it does it, something is seriously well, wrong. Well, he had some and, sort of subdural yeah. hematoma years ago, right? Yeah, but it's only in the last, he had that something like 20 he's years ago. And he's off his feed. They're going to push him ahead. He might get elected. I'll tell you what, he'll never go on a debate stage with Trump. He'll never yeah. do that. And, and I can hear the whole thing. They'll put it on prompter for him. They'll go, I would not normalize this man by being on the same stage with him. It would be beneath my dignity, but more importantly, more poignantly beneath the dignity of the American people. And he'll get all tied up and poignantly and end up, you know, in a straitjacket. They won't even know. They'll have to come out and get him off stage. But they'd vote him in because they hate Trump that much. I think he's by the boards. I don't think he was all that much to begin with. I don't like backslappers. I don't like glad handers. I don't like that corn poem bullshit about I, I walked through the diner today and you find out the diner hasn't been there in 20 years. You know, I, Biden just never impressed me. To me, he's always been more unhinged than a rescue dog in Phil Spector's house. <laughs> so before we get to the Trump guy, do you think a good person, like actually like sort of an enlightened decent human being could ever be part of this thing. It seems like the ship has pretty much sailed yeah, on that. Although I think, think a great that, reckoning could be coming maybe to our whole political yeah, system. Yeah, but it'll be so cataclysmic it remains to me unimaginable. Yeah. No, I think it is unimaginable. Yeah, I don't know if it'll be 29 where all of a sudden the Dow, you know, it's happening now because of the virus, but I'm just saying it'll either be 1929 or 1860 something like that, the, the unimaginable. You don't want to be the first guy in saying, I can see a civil war coming. They'll make you out to be the bad guy. Yeah. But seriously, for the reset to happen now, I don't see it being incremental. I see something just the shy of cataclysmic happening. Maybe Corona's it, I don't know. But if anybody thinks the Dems are gonna solve Corona after what I just saw in their own caucuses in Iowa, I don't know that I want to hand it off to them. Uh, but I, I don't see it coming back around. I see it getting very tribal. And I can only hope at some point we divvy up the albums like a relationship that's gone. It's like Woody Allen and Annie Hall. We, we, we got a dead shark here. Is that what he used to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what we got here is a dead shark. And divvy the albums up. So what does that mean, though? What does that actually mean? Like, what, what does that look like? We divvy up the albums. What, meaning what? We're in... We should split up, in my mind. I don't see it coming back around. I don't know how to do that. That doesn't uh, work know. out very well for guys like me and you in California, you know. You move. I don't even know if it's geographic. I, I don't know what I'm saying. Uh, you know, people say, exactly. <laughs> I'm telling <laughs> you, I think at this point, we got a dead shark, and uh, I don't quite know how we figure it out, but at some point, we shouldn't try to go close to it together because that's only going to make it more rancorous. We don't get along. We don't mm -hmm. even agree. I, I tell you, one thing I do notice is I find people... Um, 
I've been on the right and I've been on the left as far as issues in my life. I've also been thought of as somebody's on the left and on the right mistakenly over my life. I find the, le the left is really more brutal than the right. I mean, I used to tear people in the conservative community into asshole. When I'd meet them, they'd kind of, they could at least laugh about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The left, man, it, 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 it's dangerous. You know, you want to catch a D cell on a tube sock if you don't agree. And so that's why I zip it periodically. Were you kind of shocked, though, when you first started seeing that? Like, you first go on O'Reilly, maybe you have this. No, nah, I wasn't. Mort Saul wrote a great book years ago called Heartland. Uh, and I think when it. people think back on Mort Saul, they always think of him as liberal, probably because he was uh, Sancho Panza or Boswell to Kennedy's Jack. Uh, or, uh, what am I thinking? Boswell, Sam Johnson, to Kennedy, Sam Johnson. He was his chronicler, and he liked being in the with the cool kids. But he started to see it, and he started talking about liberalism, and he was a real hipster. Mort, I didn't even know Mort's still up there. Maybe he's passed, but no, I no, know. he's still alive. Yeah. Unless something happened in the last week, I'm ninety nine percent. And I just started alive. having that epiphany. I remember it happened with Stockdale. I remember everybody's making fun of Stockdale, and I think McCain had told me once that Stockdale, when he was in the Hanoi Hilton. When kids had given up and they were going to kill themselves, he would get on the pipe at night and tap it with a flint to pray with them in sign wow. language to convince them not to die that night. Wow. Like something that maybe, what, a, a thousand men in the history of planet have been consequential enough to do. And then he's on cable and he goes, I don't even know why I'm, I'm here. here. And everybody makes him an asshole. And I thought, this room's gotten too hip for me, man. If we're going to start... Like talking about uh, Stockdale, like he, he's an idiot, and uh, Nancy Pelosi's a viable player. I just thought I can't be in the libs. They, they ask too much of the lockstep. Yeah. You think the Republicans have any uh, sort of more functional people? I have found that, but I can only speak for myself. Like I said, I've poked a lot of fun at conservatives. Yeah. And I've met some who hated my guts, and I've met others who at least laughed about it a little. That's just my experience. Yeah. I have very, the people on the left do not take a joke as well. I think that's kind of, I, I don't think I'm saying anything sacrilegious there. I think a lot of people are noticing that. Guess what nobody wants to say? I hear you, Miller. Yeah, it's been my life. Up, you don't want to end up in the crosshairs of that. It gets ugly, man. So what do you think of that Trump guy? Well, listen, I'll say this about Donald Trump. I think his outer voice, as crazy as it can be, is an entirely accurate depiction of his inner voice. Whereas I don't think somebody like Hillary Clinton's inner voice and outer voice have ever even had a cup of coffee together. Hmm. Listen, there are days I look at Trump and I'm mortified. I think, God, can't you just shut up? But I don't spend every day of my life because it's just this tedious day. I wish he'd quit tweeting. I hear people, that's, their, that's what they wake up in the morning with. Yeah. He's not going to quit tweeting. He doesn't drink, so, you know, lighten up assholes is his cognac before bed. That's what he does. <laughs> but do I think he's done some good things? Yeah, I do. Do I think he's done some things that aren't panning out now? The kids firing missiles again in North Korea? I don't know. He might have to smoke him at some point. But I, do I think meeting with him is a bad idea? No, I don't. Do I see Obama when he's in there having a... Uh, leaning in and saying, tell, tell Vladimir I'll have more leeway to talk to him. I, I, this all goes so, on. We should be talking. It's just that Obama never got outed for it. They even had the tape of him. It's like DeLorean selling blow in the room and he somehow gets on. The guy's on tape. Joe Biden's on tape hey, doing yeah. the thing they accused Trump of. I can't do it anymore. It's silly. Do I think Donald Trump's perfect? No, he's a boorish cat. I like the way his kids are. They seem loyal and they seem to be raised to be somewhat disciplined. There are days he goes after people and I think, brother, that is so thin-skinned. I can't believe it. Are there other days I think, wow, good for you. When I see a union guy in the Oval Office with a hard hat on crying because his old man came here from Ireland and he would be proud, beautiful stuff. I'm not going to play the game where I think he's Hitler. You know, to me, that when they do that Hitler thing, I always say, well, what do you mean he's Hitler? Uh, you mean he's, you, you fear he's going to croak six million of his fellow humans? And they always say, no, of course I don't mean that. Act like you're an asshole. And then right, you go, right, right. oh, what other Hitler peccadillo were you yeah. talking about? The bad stash? <laughs> bad the, artist. The, uh, the Angie's <laughs> List reviews for house painting? What are you talking about? Ah, yeah, I think, well, I think you're, you're basically right. I mean, they say these things about him, but is there a piece of him that strikes you as very much like he has this, the mind of a comic? Because I saw he's him live. He's got good timing. I, I saw him live in December, and he goes up there, and, you know, he's got the prompter, but he's also winging it half the time, and he's ad-libbing and everything. And he did this thing about, he was talking about windmills, and he goes, he goes, I've been studying windmills my whole life. Nobody knows more about windmills than me. And then he starts, you know, give, rifling off some stats about windmills that were obviously on the prompter. 
And I turned to David and I was like, you know that the headline in Politico today is gonna be Donald Trump says he knows more about windmills than anyone, which he obviously <laughs> meant as a joke. And then lo and behold, we see all the headlines, Buzzfeed, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I think that's his greatest gift. He knows how to punk these guys every yeah, time, whether you artist. like it or not. But that's the, I can't even do that with him anymore. Everybody talks about Trump now. Notice how many times the word whether you like him or not comes up. Yeah. It's always laying covering fire down. Yeah. I don't like him some days, but it's about more trivial shit than some of the stuff he's doing, which matters. I, I think some of the things he's doing as far as the, you know, when somebody comes to me and say, say, says that the black unemployment rate's down to its lowest ever, and, and somebody immediately goes, Obama's talking about it. Okay, I'll give Obama credit for that. I'm going to give him credit for getting it down a little lower. I just can't play this stupid game where he's the antichrist. For God's sakes, there are days I feel that he's uh, uh, super adept at his job. There are other times I think he's super thin-skinned. There are days I think he's, but his comedy chops are, you know, beautiful. Yeah. There are other days I find it buffoonish that he would waste time punching down to somebody that's, you know, stupid on the other side. He's the human condition to me. All I know is this. I don't see the country being over as they do. I don't. This coronavirus is yet another thing. They're going to say the country's over. I, I guess I'm a half fool guy. Do I think that occasionally do I see Trump as half full of it or half empty? <laughs> yeah, I guess I do. There are other days I look at him and say, good for you. I wouldn't take that shit either. Imagine the, the, the maelstrom this guy is in on a day-to-day -day basis, him and his wife. And when people say, oh, he's mean in a tweet, I go, yeah, he's punching back. What do you think about the way we just go from that, that crisis to crisis? I, know I won't do it anymore. So, yeah, you just, yeah. I need a, I'm going to ask for a week off between vaping a billion creatures killed in Australia, and uh, coronavirus. Net neutrality killed half the people I know. <laughs> it's too hysterical. I, I, I don't want to live that way. And, and if people find that harsh, I don't, I don't know what to say. I do know this. I saw the coronavirus figure for today, and people say, oh, you're so simple-minded. It's obviously 10 times more. I guess I am stupid when they when when I read an article that says we've lost around ten thousand people this flu season, and we've lost thirty for coronavirus. And then the end of that article is an expert saying, "Thus, the coronavirus is ten times more lethal than the the flu." I go, "Okay, I guess I'm too stupid to follow that." It's like when they used to have uh, the unemployment rate would go when less pe when more people were employed and it would go up. You know what I mean? And they'd say, well, there are less people there in the workforce. There are less people in the workforce. I, say, I can't That's a big follow one. that either. Yeah, so, more people have selected out of the workforce. So I'm the number... more than willing to concede I'm not as smart as somebody like Behar. Yeah. So I, you know, I just, I'm not. They figure it out. I don't. Wait, more than who? Behar. I mean, Joy I Behar? Yes, I see her quoted a lot. <laughs> I think I, 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 I wish I could keep up. I used to love her, I, like, oh, she's, and, but she's, she's a cool dame. No, I'm sure she is. It's just, a, I, I, I guarantee you, Joy's uh, hip enough that when she gets left to her own devices, she can't, she, even she's bemused that she's treated like uh, she's speaking in encyclical. <laughs> she's a great comic, and she's found a great gig, and I know she's liberal, but I'm just saying, the, 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 uh, what I see people now as being the source material I just like, sort of laugh. I'm more than willing to concede on around, let me say, 60% of the world issues, I'm guessing, like most people are. And the other 40 seem set in stone. They just seem, uh, you don't put 15 billion on a pallet and fly it into the Iranian desert. That's, if you can't see that, you're, you're missing the point. So bad move, you're saying. Yeah, yeah at least fair. give them a check and then the memo <laughs> section to liquidate Israel. Yeah. <laughs> right, but instead we just... Cash. No, here. Go use us. What are you guys going to do? You in the, you're canning this season? Trust us. Trust us. Christ. What, what else is kind of interesting to you these days? Let me see. What have I been uh, doing? Um, well, as I said, I'm trying to read a lot, and I'm reading voraciously. And uh, I hike. I, I go walking almost uh, three times a week with my friend Jimmy Connors, the tennis player. Oh, wow. And he's a bit of a pisser. And he lives near me. I saw we, him on a plane about a year ago. We were, we were waiting to get on. I went up to him and I mentioned, you know, that, that crazy year. What was it, like 94? Yeah, that, where that, he went 102 and 3. Yeah, and he kind, of, he kind of smiled at me and he nodded. And I was like, ah, I was just that guy that I mentioned that one thing. Well, know? let me tell you this. Everybody talks about Federer and he's obviously, I think even Jimmy would probably say the greatest player ever because of the, 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 uh, the majors. But 
to this day, in the Open Tennis Tournament, uh, Roger Federer is around 30 matches, wins behind Jimmy, who's in the one slot, and he's around six tournaments behind Jimmy. And Jimmy never beats that drum, man. And when I go, I go, I'll go, Jimmy, why do you ever tell me this? I looked it up, and he'll go, ah, fuck that. You know, and he'll right away start talking about right. other things. So but just I, the joy that that guy played with. I mean, oh. The Elan. I don't know. Uh, there's yeah. a fine line there. And Jimmy was never a happy time out there. He's a stone killer. Mm -hmm. And guess what? In a world of tepid, in a world where everybody's figuring out how to explain somebody's missteps before you get to them, to have a guy who's an honest arbiter of his legacy, tells you where he screwed up, or he tells me at least, tells me where he did well, and uh, lets the numbers speak and doesn't beat the drum, he's a mensch. You know, I like that stuff about people. And there's too many too many altruistic people with publicists nowadays. Imagine the selflessness being shepherded down a red carpet by, you know, Rogers and Cowan. Hey, this guy did something that nobody's supposed to know about. Can we get a team over here? I don't think that. Here's the wing he just named after himself. <laughs> right. I feel like we're there. All right, brother. I, I feel like I got like a full-on thing from you. I wasn't exactly sure. I got a little bit of a different thing than I, than I was expecting, actually. It's kind of cool. Well, you're pretty easy, man. Thanks for letting me talk. And uh, I'm glad you're doing so well. I'm yeah. glad you're happy, man. Things are all right. You ever read the uh, great Tom Wolfe book? Uh, well, I liked it. I don't know if a lot of people called it Man in Full. And it was a book, uh, well, you'd have to read it. It's about a man reaches a point in his life where if he feels he's a man in full, indeed, he very well could be. And that's not defined as you classically define it when you're a kid. It just has to come a moment where you just sit there and there's no static. And you just say, it's not even exultant, it's not triumphant, it's just kind of quiet. And you think, uh, wow, I feel like a man in full right now. The, the frabba jabba in my head's letting down a little. You know what, I've never read the book, but I do love Frank Sinatra's My Way, and I think that's kind of... <laughs> exactly, although Frank didn't dig the song. Is that right? Yeah, he, you know, Paul Anker wrote it, Yeah. and Frank uh, wasn't his cup of tea. Ah, Listen, when you're so the chairman, perfect. you don't want to have to... Uh, be you know regrets. I've I don't I don't know that Frank, <laughs> except that he was selling millions of copies. I don't know that Frank's going to go out and introspect in front of strangers. Yeah, but uh, did I ever tell you my Sinatra story? No, tell me your Sinatra story. End this oh. with Sinatra. Okay, this is a cool story. I'm in Vegas one night. And Tom Dreesen calls me. The great Chicago yeah, yeah. meeting. He's open yeah. for Sinatra down at the Desert Inn, which isn't even there anymore. That's how long ago this was. I'm up at the MGM Grand, and he says, listen, I'm opening for Frank tonight, and you want to come down and see the show? And I go, yeah. I said, what if we're working at the same time? He says, I checked. We're offset. Come down after your show. I go down to see Sinatra. Dreesen says, I'll leave you as many tickets as you want. Now, I'm in town with my wife, who's pregnant with our second child, and our baby, our Filipino nanny, Koi Koi, and my mom's with me and me. I do the show. I go back to collect them. My wife says, you know, I don't, uh, I don't want to go. I don't feel up to it. I feel sick. And I'm going to stay in. I go, I got three tickets. Why don't I take Koi Koi? Because I hear her in her room at night listening to Sinatra once in a while. She's a great idea. Off we go. Nanny, my mom, and I, we go down to see Sinatra. He, it, you know, it's like, it's a revelation for me. And he's not on top of his game. He's a bit in his day no more. But it's still fab. He's Sinatra. Yeah, Frank yeah, yeah, yeah. Fifth, I'm thinking. Yeah. I'm knee deep in it. I go back to thank Dreesen after the show. And I, uh, he says, unbelievably, he says, hey, Frank, Doug, you on SNL. You want to have dinner? I go, what? <laughs> kidding me? We go to that old restaurant in the Desert Inn. It was an Italian place. It had a gold, cheap gold elevator, circular. You'd go up and you'd go in and there'd be the uh, bar and then the main room and then the VIP room, then the VVIP room, then the Pope room yeah. and way in the Colonel and the Nucleus, the Sinatra room. We go all the way back. Treason opens the door. There's a table. It's pretty small. There's like 10 people and there sits Sinatra right across from me. Barbara's wife sits here. His attorney is here, his attorney's wife. Over his shoulder, two huge Luca Brasi bodyguards. <laughs> Dreesen sits here, and my uh, mom sits here. I sit across from Sinatra. Koi Koi, the nanny, sitting here. And around 10 minutes in, I realize they're being so nice to us, they think Koi Koi's my wife. And I don't want to shut it down and say, no, no, it's my I, I figure, I'll just roll with this. So I start getting shit-faced. I'm not a big drinker, but I'm thinking, I'm with Sinatra. I'm putting something on cubes, and I'm going to tinkle the glass. Yeah. He's talking about a fight he had at Mr. Kelly's in Chicago. I'm thinking, Christ, I'm in Ocean's Eleven. This is the greatest thing <laughs> of my life. So I toss it, and then um, we're having fun. And then Koi Koi nudges me under the table, and I look down, and she's got an autograph book on her lap. 
and she she's motioning, and I I I panic. I I can't say anything, so I have to go complete uh, body language. Mm -hmm. I look up and I'm locked eyes with Sinatra. He's looking at me. He thinks I'm having a grand mal seizure. <laughs> he thinks I'm a freak, so I have to flatten out, go tabula rasa. So I'm just sitting there, but now it's hanging over my head like the autograph book of Damocles. So around an hour in, I go, see, we got to blow because I'm too nervous now. Go around the table. Now, here's how cool Frank is. My mom goes up first. She said, Mr. Sinatra, when I was a young girl, 1952, I saw you at the Stanley Theater in Pittsburgh. And have dinner with you. It's the biggest thrill of my life. Sinatra looks at me. He's 52, Stanley Theater in Pittsburgh. I remember that show, baby. You were on the left side of the stage. You looked good that night. You looked really good. <laughs> ah, he's good. My mom floats good. away like a fern gully fairy. Yeah. I'm all choked up. I step in. I go, Frank, jeez, what you just did for my mother. He gives me the Jilly Rizzo face letting you get out of here. I turn, Koi Koi steps up. Whap, she hits him with the autograph book. I almost pass out. I got that cold sweat. And uh, I hear Sinatra over my shoulder say, uh, did you say soy soy? <laughs> <laughs> and the bodyguard says, uh, koi koi Frank, koi koi. And Sinatra actually says, K C what? <laughs> I can't even listen to it anymore. Yeah. Split. They come out there flying in tandem like the Blue Angels now. I can't get mad at her. She just came from Manila. We're at dinner with Sinatra. She's in shock. I go, geez, quick, well, let me see it. I open up to the page he signed. It says, to Sopo. <laughs> it's like he went so far with it. I said, fuck it, I'm trying to eat. Here, here's your Sinatra name. You're Sopo. Best night. And you called her Sopo from that Well, later on, I went up when she got married to her golf club, and, we were, and people were coming up and going, so you know Sopo. <laughs> so the story lived on for her, and she was the sweetest soul. Miller, it's been an absolute, right, man. absolute pleasure. Oh, you're you, walking man. out in the middle. I'm going to say goodbye over here. Sit oh, down. Oh, I'm sorry. I've been talking Jeez. for like four hours. Yeah, my God, it was a lot of talking. Follow this guy at Dennis DMZ on Twitter.